0: Thank <laughs> you. open mind ufo radio i am your host alejandro rojas and i have with me martin ufo news willis all right finally
1: i get the title i deserve
0: is that do you I like, like that. that one
1: yeah i like that one Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: do you know a lot about the news uh ufo news current ufo news
1: no actually but i still like the title
0: I was going to say because that's not why we hired you for the job. You'd think we would; that would be the primary, um, you know, qualification. But uh, you're just a cool dude. We actually, the, which is a good thing because that means that you're you're such a cool dude. You don't even have to have knowledge in the area that, um, you know, the the job pertains.
1: That's right. I just talk the talk, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, walking—I don't know. Yeah. That's
0: kind of how it goes, though. Like they say, you—you, you, it's who you know. I mean, often being a cool dude will get you a job, even if you don't know crap about what the job is that you're supposed to do.
1: That's right. Those who know do, and those who don't know teach. I think that's what it is. Something like yeah.
0: that. Yeah, I heard
1: something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, that's there you that's go, fine. I, showing I, I, off I your charm yeah.
0: again, right there. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah. So the guest today. So I, I had a really good guest. But I don't anymore. Yes,
1: you did. Yeah. So
0: and I won't say who. I'm not going to necessarily disparage this person. Um, maybe I should. Because I they may come back. About it. Mm, Maybe. Yeah, but but... I, I had a really good guest who was a witness to a famous case. I won't tell you who. Um, this person had contacted me. I'll just say this, that the way that they canceled, if you can call it that, at the last minute, um, was less than uh, um, respectful. Honorable. Or, yeah, less yeah. than honorable. This man has no honor. No, so, uh, yeah, so I'm, I've definitely got, it's uh, that, not good. Not good at all. So, uh, I well, apologize. You know, your, listeners,
1: mm-hmm. your listeners are going to like, okay, who was it? I know. You're going to be getting some emails. But
0: they do one. that a lot because whenever I talk about um, someone who made me mad who or I talk bad about someone, I don't say their name. Mostly. Uh, except uh, for, I think, you know, there's a couple people. Michael Horn, I'll say his name when I talk bad about him.
1: Yeah. But
0: uh, there's not many people that I'll, I'll um, and you know, bless his heart, I don't know that he's necessarily an evil person. We just disagree. Yeah, but right. anyway, um, uh, yeah, so, so not, that didn't work out well. i uh, say who, th- <clears throat> yeah, but I need you're to, you're just up- not going to say the guest, who name. it was. No, I'm not going to say who it yeah. is, but like, I told Landrum. yeah. Oh man. People might've heard that.
1: What's that? Heard what?
0: Anyway. Sorry. The
1: pop. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Cute. I'm gonna go beep that. By the way, the first thing that we've conversation where I'm ha- gonna have to edit. Oh no! Yeah.
1: Okay. Sorry. Sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. There's a first time for everything, and uh, I'm surprised we've gone this far without me having to uh, to edit something. Cause uh, I've I've expected maybe you to slip up in other ways. But uh, anyway, my point is that yes, and because I need to, my listeners, I'm a day late with a show, and I told them before that I may go a couple weeks without a show, and they hate that, and they get mad, and I'm sorry, but you know, there was MUFON, the MUFON symposium we went to, Uh, there was also uh, San Diego, I went to San Diego to hang out on the beach for a week and i wasn't going to struggle to find not like you you were trying to get a, a, a guest i was like screw that i'm going to the beach listeners be damned um, and i hung out on the beach that's all i did well not true because now i do real estate and some real estate stuff came up so i did have to do some work but um, it's been a while since i've had a show and i really wanted to do a show I was gonna come back with a bang and have this great guest and get everybody excited And it was going to be wonderful. And then this guy, he screwed me. He screwed me and my listeners. Wow. You know, bad enough for me, but to do this to my poor listeners. So, uh, I apologize that I'm a day late with the show. And uh, my guest, though, this week is... Genius when it comes to UFO news. (laughs) Yes, ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is Martin Willis. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So we're just going to blab for like an hour. Cool. I I suppose. And
1: yeah, um, that's fine. I I am excited to do this. um, But um, what can I say? I'm not your your guest. You know, I mean I I I'm I'm second fiddle, but I'll I'll do what I can
0: here. No, stop it. Stop it before hey, stop before you push pause or stop. Listener people, we're going to get into UFO stuff. We have lots of good UFO stuff cuz now they're probably like, "Oh yeah, they are just going to blab and be boneheads this whole time." But no, we're going to talk UFO. We have good UFO stuff. Martin does know UFO news. We we're just kidding earlier. And he does have some good – we do have some really interesting uh, UFO sightings to talk about. So before we lose them all, why don't we just get into the UFO news? Does that sound good?
1: Uh, yeah, I think we better quickly, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right.
0: Okay, yeah. so uh, go for it. What's all the right. right
1: story you got? Well, I think this is an interesting one, and it was posted recently by Roger Marsh. And uh, there's a video involved as well. Uh, Tennessee witness describes UFO as a orange line. And this happened and at uh, in Nashville. And there is a video of it. And I do caution the person that's going to watch the video that uh, uh, there is some foul language on the video, which seems to happen quite a bit when it comes to people filming UFOs. And I I understand because people are kind of like baffled. What the heck is that? And they use other.
0: Yeah, it's almost that. if someone sees a UFO, the knee-jerk reaction is not to grab the phone; it's to say, "What the f is that?" And then yeah. grab the phone and film if they if they have their wits about them, and continue to say over and over again, "What the f is that?" Um, which is the case in this this film. That that is, and it isn't. An, it is a
1: pretty interesting uh, video to watch and i do uh, encourage you to you know if you can get by the language of course you can watch it and there is you know a lot of times you'll see on these videos you can't really uh, you know an iphone or whatever it is he filmed it on you know doesn't have all that great of quality when it comes to to nighttime sightings but this definitely shows up and there's a couple of stills in there uh of this story you can check out too so um the guy basically here's a quote from him my first thought was that it may be the moon behind a cloud cover or something like that, but it was directly above me at the time, and there was no cloud cover at all that night. I still haven't thought of anything else it might be. I couldn't make out the features in the object as it was very dark, and it was far enough away that it, I couldn't see any details on it. But it did have uh, lights on it, um, and he's filming it, and... A couple of hours before the sighting, he started feeling uneasy. He did uh, mention that I've heard other people say stuff like that. And I don't know if that's related or just coincidentally. And uh, so this came out. I think it was around uh, midnight that he saw this. And so he films it. And, you know, he is talking the whole time he's filming it. And then all of a sudden the object disappeared, which, again, you always hear uh, a lot of people say. And then he felt. Strangely calm and peaceful for the rest of the night. Interesting. You know, I've heard of people saying that, uh, you know, like the Allagash, um, they felt like really tired afterwards after they thought they just had a sighting, but it was more than a sighting. So um, it is uh, interesting how people can say kind of the same thing or similar things. They have these type of sightings.
0: Yeah, this is a weird one.
1: Okay, so this was investigated um, by Angela Shear and field investigator Roy Messer of the Tennessee MUFON. And uh, it's still uh, closed as an unknown, which they often do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? There's a good point someone made in the comments here that the photo that is taken of the daytime where someone he took a, a picture of his alleged perspective does not match up with the video unless he zoomed in quite a bit because the video does seem to show like a couple radio towers to the left of this bright, long, kind of orange light. And uh, the ra- those radio towers cannot be seen in the daylight image. So uh, the radio mm. towers also often indicate that this is on a hill, um, so this object could be on a hill, however, the object is a little bit higher, it's like mid radio tower, it's not like, you know, um, on the bottom, so I mean it could be something on a hill, but it's long and bright, you know, a car is not going to look like that um so this one is Mm -hmm. a big mystery i i'm glad that you brought this one up because i forgot about this one it's funny because um i'll write these stories and then i forget about them and sometimes it's not till the end of the year that i when i put together the best cases that i remember them but yeah this is a weird one i don't know what the heck this one is and um uh but it would be nice if someone could go get a picture of the actual area. In fact, maybe we can email the uh, MUFON investigators and see if they can do that. But uh, it's a weird one. Yeah. Now,
1: it could be the the place where he saw the the object or whatever it was, but uh, at a different angle. In other words, he mm-hmm. may be facing the wrong way, you know, yeah. be just uh, turning the wrong way. If there's mountains on the other side, or, you're right, radio towers. So, you know, the majority of them are on a higher level, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like mountains and hills, yeah. things like that.
0: Yeah. So this uh, is yeah, a good this, one.
1: Yeah. That's it for me on this
0: one, though. Yeah. He did say he zoomed in, too, though. And in the picture that he provided of the data, it doesn't look like he zoomed in. So that could be the difference. And in on the horizon, mm-hmm. it looks like there are some hills. So maybe he was just zoomed in a bunch when he took the video and he's not in this picture. Um, That is Mm, a a possibility, I think. So, Mm. yes, one for people to check out. The other one, is it my turn now?
1: Oh, yeah, it's your turn.
0: Sweet. The other one I want to talk about is one I just posted, and this is also a good one, I think. This one was... A New York witness between Florida and Gosh, which don't sound like they sound like countries or something. But uh, these are you know a couple of weird named towns in New York, uh, Florida and Gosh. Gosh, I'm not sure. I think you. it's
1: Go- uh yeah,
0: Gosh. Yeah. If
1: it's German, one of these German towns, uh, uh-huh. you know, it would be Geish more like Geish.
0: Oh really? I know
1: that's really su- yeah. I think that's how they pronounce.
0: Huh. That's uh, weird. I'm, yeah. it's pretty weird. But anyways, this guy says he was driving with his girlfriend um, at 9, between 9 and 10 p.m. on August 4th when they saw this light. It was to their left. Um, they they s- describe a completely lit surface on a craft with blinking lights. Um, and if you look at the video, that's kind of what you see it. If you didn't know anybody better, you would think it was a disc with a notch. And in that notch, there's a blinking light, um, which is really weird. Now, so you just see this light, and this guy is taking a video of this. Um, It's somewhat reminiscent of the Turkey videos. Uh, Mm -hmm. Some people may remember there are these videos taken in Turkey that are pretty interesting. and and debated. Now, those turkey videos, unfortunately, I have a feeling might be a reflection from the lens. It's, um, there's a phenomena that happens with uh, um, lenses and this guy had a, a big you know zoom lens attached to his camera where a single point of light can reflect on the rim inside the lens and where the rim and the lens has these notches. And it can create this image that the Turkey video got with this distinct notch. And um, that's what was captured, or that's what a lot of people feel. And some people have demonstrated pretty well that that could be what happened in Turkey. However, and this one has a distinct notch, but this one looks different. And the other weird thing is the blinking, the on and off light in the middle of this notch. So this is a really weird
1: one, pretty strange. Yeah, I think it's... Uh... I think it's really an incredible-looking whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's a great video. And uh, another one, this isn't really a lot of – there is a little bit of foul language in this one, too. Um, But anyway, it's – the one thing I I did want to ask you, going back to the Turkey UFO Mm. that you just talked about, I think that's fascinating. But didn't people say they saw that
0: with the naked eye as well? But the problem is, all they saw was a point of light, uh. and it's—I mean, I to me it, the descriptions of that light fit um, a star. They fit like Venus or something. So um, that's the problem with that one. There were other sightings, and some people say, "Well, even if it was that, there were other sightings." But sure, there's other sightings everywhere. That doesn't necessarily mean, uh, you know, that phenomenon that uh, was captured by Roger Lear by other people was not. And you know, I looked into this. I thought I'd be able to figure out what it was very quickly. And I wrote a story in Open Minds Magazine where I felt lots of the theories didn't fit. So I was left thinking, I don't know what the heck this is. And finally, only like a year ago, some people had sent me some information about this theory and uh, that may fit about the reflection inside the lens. But um, mm. uh, yeah, it wow. does seem to. That could be what this is, but um, I would want to see. You know, it's still, in both cases, it's still a point of light. Um, that is in the sky and in this case, there's a blinking going on
1: Yeah, um, this one seems a little more involved mm-hmm. than that to me and uh, the other witnesses sound like sounded like they were seeing it as well mm-hmm. and um,
0: By the way that is pronounced gosh Oh, uh, gosh
1: York. Yeah, just
0: huh. like gosh. Yep. Yeah another uh, thing you pointed out about this video were you, is just yeah? what you're gonna point out again. No go ahead. Is that this guy is like? Hope if he's listening, I don't know. Even if he is, he could be a little bit nicer to his girlfriend and and apparently his yeah. mom who was there. That's
1: what you mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not very nice. He's yeah, a, and you know maybe he's, he's stressed out or something, but uh, yeah. he he doesn't he doesn't treat them very respectfully.
0: He was telling them to shut up, and I was almost for a second I was thinking, man, I hope there where you don't hear any sort of domestic violence going on here.
1: Yeah, it almost sounded like that could be an issue.
0: Yeah, he keeps telling them to shut up. But, um, I don't know, a lot of us can be nicer to our girlfriends at times. Well, vice uh, versa. We're often, <laughs> you know, we sometimes we yeah. tell our loved ones to shut up a little too much, maybe. Yeah. So maybe this video gives us all uh, a chance to reflect on our actions and how we treat the people we love.
1: Yeah, especially... If you're seeing a UFO, be nice to your witnesses. (laughs)
0: Yeah. But it is a good video. You may
1: need them. Mm -hmm. No, it's really a great video.
0: Really weird. Yeah. Anything else? I I felt like you were going to say something else about it.
1: No, I I think it goes on for a pretty long time, and there's also an object that does appear and disappear, but you can't see it. They see it, but we we can't see it on the video. Mm Mm-hmm. Some red object appears um, to the left of it, according to the eyewitnesses while they were talking.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, very little information seemed to come across with this video. So, it is being investigated by the local MUFON. This is another one from Roger Marsh, Director of Communications for MUFON. Um, So, this one's still being uh, looked into, and it's got lots of likes. I thought people would like this one because... um, I just posted it, but it's just a really weird video. It's it's not, I besides the turkey video, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this video. And not only that, it's very clear mm-hmm. for an iPhone in a nighttime sighting. Right. Unlike the last video where you have to zoom in to see the object, this one is just right there, right in your face. It's, it's clear and it takes up a good uh, part of the screen, so... You can definitely understand this person's excitement.
1: One thing they did mention in this video, or the one of the girls mentioned, was, uh, "Is it possible it's a blimp?" And Mm. you know,
0: uh, so that is a possibility. But the whole thing, I think, so too. Mm -hmm. And he said, "That's not a blimp. Shut up." no, he didn't say it like that. I think he did. (laughs) Well, she was bugging him because it sounds like she was worried they were going to get hit that they didn't pull over far enough on the side of the road, I think. And so he's like, quit bothering me about that. So, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, New York, huh? Yeah. So, yeah. So that one's really good. So uh, other than, you know, that, there's not other necessarily news I want to talk about, but there is something we've done recently I would like to talk about and get your opinion on. I am all ears. Okay. So I finally put together, I've been telling people about this um, Open Minds magazine and how we're kind of relaunching it and doing it in a video format and stuff like this. And we finally got it done and I'm so excited about it. And uh, and I'm really excited about this piece because, essentially, if you haven't watched it, and I know many of you listeners have not listened to it, because I know how many listeners we have for the most part, and I can see how many hits we have in the video. Now, not to say that the video hasn't gotten a lot of hits, it has, but uh, it can get more, and I just um, am very excited to share this with my listeners and uh, and to share this information. So um, the video starts off where I explain what Open Minds Magazine is and how we're going to start to look at um, this phenomenon, how the government, military, and public have reacted to it, Um, and it's kind of setting the the base. So uh, talking about how Project Blue Book, of course, was the first uh, investigation by the Air Force. Uh, Well that there were other projects involved, but that the Air Force did look into all of this stuff. And the Air Force said, essentially, there isn't anything to it. However, they, um, the files themselves, of course, tell a different story, because a lot of these files are very interesting. Um, you know, they've said there's 712 or, or, you know, all of these numbers of unknowns. Um, that number is inflexed because... You know, depending on the different reports, you get different numbers. But there were hundreds of unknowns, some of which were very, very good. Um, we've got one on our front page actually too. If people look at the military section, uh, one of the one of the best blue book unknowns. I I like it because it's a bunch of police officers from several different precincts who saw this UFO. But what's great about the 1952 Washington sightings, which I cover here, is that in particular is that this was witnessed over the Capitol, so the most um, secure locations in the United States and they were witnessed by the Blue Book investigators Blue Book investigators from the Pentagon raced over to uh, National Airport in Washington DC to go into the control tower to see these objects being picked up on radar to scramble jets, uh, to be there when the jets uh, cannot catch the objects, and uh, so they were there. They were present the whole time. Um, the best, the reason we have such detail on what happened there is because of Edward Ruppelt's book. Who was uh, he? Was the man in charge of Blue Book uh, during this period of time? And he tells us in his book in detail what had happened. Um, so. All of that, uh, I think it's really important uh, to show that the Air Force did witness cases that uh, they thought could be extraterrestrial, and that um, the Air Force wasn't all on the same page to think that there was nothing to this, and... I end it with the idea, because this is essentially Blue Book. We've all heard of Blue Book. We've all looked at these old cases. So this is the only episode that will address that sort of thing directly. But I end it with that to set the base that uh, they did continue to look into UFOs. And as Mm -hmm. they said, when they closed Project Blue Book, that the most important cases were not going through blue book they were going through their regular procedures and why is that important because then we're gonna get into what were their regular procedures for reporting UFOs uh, and what were some of these uh, really important cases that made it to the most important um, uh, methods of uh, you know essentially really high important um incidents how they get reported and why some ufo cases have made it to that reporting system um so that's essentially setting the base for this that it was a big deal to the air force uh, continues to be a big deal and i think that this is a new era for this because i don't think people have looked at this in this detail or or a, looked at those issues so much Um, we get caught up in these real kind of fringe conspiracy theories and stuff like that not only that um the idea of an organization um spinning information so they don't get embarrassed is par for the course these days i think Mm -hmm. the average person is much more savvy about that
1: What do you think? Right. Uh, Yeah, and I think the government is much more savvy about that as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that the average person is much more savvy about the idea that everybody does this. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, everybody Mm -hmm. does it. Politicians, sure. Government, I mean, every product. Unfortunately, I've been saying this, that, you know, typically the commercials are false. (laughs) You know, it's like it's okay to lie. It's okay to spin. Uh, That's just kind of the culture. Um, So I think people can better understand that. Just because the Air Force said they weren't interested doesn't mean they weren't. And uh, that can be demonstrated.
1: Yeah, and you know, a lot of this, uh, when you go back to, you know, 1947, when they first started investigating um, UFOs, we had just gotten through World War II, and everybody, like, took the government's word for uh 100 face value and um you know led us through the war safely and, and all that but as time went on uh as time has gone on uh there's just many more cases where uh the government has either covered things up and has been found out about it um so why not ufos it's uh something unexplainable and something that uh you know, they, they say it's not a threat to national security, maybe because there's never been any real threats to national security from a UFO. But still, for them to uh, not be able to understand or to understand what's actually going on in our skies um, is still like a mystery. We really don't know what the government really thinks about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and, um, you know, a couple we have some interviews that are in there where we just get a few quotes from people just to. To show that you know there there are others who have observed this and who understand it, and very credible people who are insiders when it comes to the government. So we have Colonel John Alexander, uh, who was with Army Intelligence. Uh, we have Nick Pope, who of course worked for the UK Ministry of Defence investigating UFOs. Um, and the other person we have, because I think. Uh, someone who's been doing great work in this area mm. is Paul Dean. Paul Dean, who both yeah. of us have you've interviewed him, um, mm-hmm. so have I, um, and I'll continue to. But he is doing some great work in putting these pieces together. Um, but you know, uh, some people, uh, and I don't know how. You, well, I think I don't know how you feel because uh, a lot of people. Will say you know, oh Colonel John Alexander and and Nick Pope. They're with, you know, how can you trust what they say? They're they're part of the hiding the information, um, and I don't believe that to be true, having known them for many many years now. Um, both of them are are have been especially Nick instrumental in bringing credibility to the idea that UFOs are a real phenomenon. Um, and the point is, is if, even if they were some sort of, um, part of some sort of disinformation, um, to engage them or to discuss, I mean, you've got to catch them in, in a lie or something, uh, which I Mm -hmm. don't believe has happened to this point. Um, I, I am not afraid to challenge either of them when I do my interviews, um, um, but,, uh, because it's not necessarily that I disagree with them, but i I know people do, and I like to explore those ideas because I don't know how I feel about some of those things. But uh, I think that we can just do this intelligently enough where we can put pieces together um, to put together more of a story than what we currently have. and And that's what I'm trying to do, and to get that across to people, because I think what's gonna be really interesting going forward, is looking at these lesser known type of things, you know, like these um, systems that were used to alert, high, you know, the, the command of uh, very important situations and that they were in fact used for UFO situations. Mm, right.
1: And I'm uh, still going on today, I would guess. Um, can we talk more about this? This, uh, this whole flap uh, during 1952 is
0: Yeah, been... let's do because I wanted to ask you uh, since you've watched the video and and I've been so immersed in all of this information for so long. Did you see stuff in there that you didn't know about?
1: Yes. Um, well, first of all, one of the things I didn't know about right off the bat, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you, and that is the videos that I've seen in the past uh, and pictures about the UFOs over the Capitol. I never realized that was just a reflection of the lamp posts. Mm. Um, and how how so? That is something I learned in the video right off the bat to talk about that. But how how does that happen where the light posts uh, make the reflections in the sky like that? Is that a camera?
0: Yeah. Uh, so essentially, lens thing? it's a totally a camera lens thing. So what you're talking about is uh, I mentioned that there are no pictures or video from the 1952 Washington uh, event. There are alleged pictures and video but none of those pan through. They all have either been mistakes, uh, mistakenly you know from 1952 or uh, were recreations. So for instance, all the videos are recreations from documentaries. Um, mm-hmm. And the most famous picture, the one you're talking about, it appears it's actually from the 60s. NICAP is the best source. And I think I, I'm pretty sure I have a link in there to the NICAP investigation. But uh, if you go into NICAP, I think they've got the best uh, examination of that photo. Um, it's not completely sure where the photo came from. People are pretty certain they've been able to determine it's actually from the 60s. But the it, it's actually not too difficult because even if I tell you this now, you'll probably go, aha, and once I read this, I, I kind of did the same thing. They line up perfectly with the lights. Look mm-hmm. at the shape of the lights and then look at the lamp post below and you'll see they're exactly the same. So it is reflecting, yeah. or I think it may be technically refraction. Uh, someone you can read in the analysis, but it's the same thing that happens with like these Texas videos and stuff. And I've got, we get these videos of someone going down the highway Recording with their phone these ring lights, Mm -hmm. you know, or taking a picture of this. Those lights are reflections of the highway lights. Typically, the highway lights are so bright, you can't tell the configuration of the lights there. But usually, those pictures, it turns out like those ring of lights are exactly the same configuration as the highway lights. It's because of the reflection. It's the same sort of thing that's going on here. Really bright lights just can reflect in a lens and then appear elsewhere. So it's how you get lens flares and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that well, one is... not to take mm-hmm. away from
1: the amazing story that it is, but that was just one part of it that I, I uh, have just taken for granted that that picture and images were... Um, in effect, the real you have one of the real UFO sightings. But um, this the the thing goes along a lot longer than I expected it has in the Washington area. And you point that out in the, the uh, video, um, how it starts. And and, uh, you know, the final I think it's pretty interesting that it was ongoing even the night on July 29th of the press, uh, the press press. Uh, conference they
0: had yeah and i think that's another thing that i think people ufo people have seen this press conference um so essentially when the 1952 thing happened and the air force witnessed the event happen uh one of the jet pilots then spoke to the press and said you know we chased these things we couldn't catch them um that's where you get the famous um, photos of the washington post uh where it says jet outpaced by saucer uh, mm-hmm. And then there's a quote in there from the jet pilot. So the Air Force felt pressured then to make a comment. So they had a press conference. And General Sanford, who was a director of Air Force Intelligence at the time, uh, was the one to do the conference. Uh, but like Rupelt said, he didn't have a clue as to what the investigation was um he was not briefed on the investigation mm-hmm. the investigation had only just begun and and uh so he didn't know what the investigation was but if you're just going to do a, a spin you don't need to know you just tell people what you want them to hear which of course is what the air force did a lot of when it came to ufos so sanford comes out the interesting thing he and and this is where people will recognize the video And that's what's fun, because people know the video, but they might not know it. it's related to this 1952 event, because he does say, uh, you know, in our investigations of UFOs, uh, most of them are are not interesting, um, but some of these are uh, some very credible people uh, reporting some incredible things, Um, Mm -hmm. but uh, that was part of this press conference, but he did say that the... Washington sightings were temperature, most likely temperature inversions. Um, right. However, that only would explain the radar part of it, not the visual part. Um, also, uh, the they had already ruled that out in their investigation. Because That's right.
1: They were aware of the inversions.
0: Exactly. They were aware of the inversions. They never mistook them for UFOs. Mm-hmm. It just was a good spin on yeah. at the time. Well, and it was it was an answer that would appease everyone and hopefully um, deflate, you know, all of the attention and uh, make people the news cover the next story and get their answer so they can move on. Um, so, yeah. So it's really interesting, though, that you, now we have on YouTube to this day, you know, General Samford at this press conference making these statements. Right. And
1: um, I think it's pretty interesting also that these pilots reported that, you know, as they got near the objects, how they would disappear but still be there on radar. Now, to me, that wouldn't, you know, there wouldn't be any uh, any other answer for it, that it was, uh, you know, a total unknown. I almost said extraterrestrial, but I
0: didn't. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, they saw these things. That's the other thing. You don't... Temperature inversions, as far as we know, are, do not um, fluoresce. They don't make some sort of, you know, bright light. Um, they don't mm-hmm. emanate any bright light. So, we're, as these objects were, and what's interesting, I mean, really, I think what would be, uh, what's interesting, another story, or if someone, maybe somebody's done this, is to really lay down all of the incidents where jets were scrambled after. Uh, lights that were also caught on radar and couldn't catch them because that's happened mm. many, many other times. Rupelt right. covers these in his book. In fact, he said that I can't. during this flap, uh, there was a really big case in San Diego where that had happened at a military base as well.
1: Wow. Uh, and so there was a number of times that they just said that they were trying to chase these things and just could not gain on them, basically at full at full speed.
0: Right. So was it? Yeah. So outpaced is like the term they use. Oh, so right. yeah, this sighting yeah. is just so important for so many reasons, and and I think it it lays down really well um, the importance. And I and what's great is having Nick Pope as a part of you know, his comments in the video, too, because uh, I think he puts it really well as to what the military would be thinking and and were thinking um, when this all took place. Right. And I had never
1: heard of uh, Major Dewey Fournay either, Mm -hmm. if that's how you say his name, Uh of of his involvement in this. Um, But didn't... uh, uh, didn't uh, RuPaul, Edward RuPaul, didn't he show up during a flap, but he did not witness it?
0: Uh, well, that one. I mean, one, during
1: one of the sightings?
0: Yeah, the big sighting where the Air Force saw what had happened, where, like you said, where the people went from the Pentagon to uh, national airport. He was not there, which is kind of funny because he, he talks about how he went to Washington, D.C. a week prior for unrelated business. Uh, when he got to his hotel, there were a bunch of reporters there and his friend had to get him through all this crowd of reporters asking questions. Um, and they were asking about UFOs. So there had been UFO sightings that were in the paper. He was not aware. Uh, he that day called his superior said, Hey, what's going on? Um, they said, you know, you can go get briefed at the Bowling Air Force Base where they, they, uh, you know, were part of this whole thing. They described essentially the same thing. Jets being scrambled. They couldn't catch them. Jets took forever because they weren't sure. I guess they even wanted to go chase UFOs. But um, um, so the same kind of thing happened. So he was supposed to stay and investigate. But because he was there for unrelated business, he had to get an extension. It's kind of a funny story about the bureaucracy. Um, So... He had to go to get permission to spend the money, to essentially have more money to stay in Washington, D.C. And he had to go through all these bureaucratic, you know, um, thing. And back then, more so than now, you've got to go to the office. You can't do this stuff online or you don't have a cell phone. So mm-hmm. you've got to find a phone. You've got to go to this office, go to that office and back and forth. And it just wasn't physically possible. He had to catch cabs to go here and there. And finally... He just, they, he couldn't get the paperwork uh, approved and done on time. So he just had to go back to Wright-Patterson. And uh, so he was back there when this all took place. Um, He did fly immediately to D.C. after everything took place and then got briefed the next morning. Um, So he was there for the press conference. Um, But he said it was just too much of a cluster. It really They didn't even really get in a full investigation because it was just a mess that, you know, they have very few resources. And, you know, this is where you get some insight, I think, into what's going on here. They have very few resources towards this um, and they just wanted, you know, as far as the PR part to push it, shove it under the rug. Now, was there a full investigation going on by this, uh, you know, their regular reporting systems that go to whoever investigate these important incidences? Probably. We don't have any evidence of that that I am aware of, but probably, um, but who that went to and when is the hard thing to know, but, um, um. We do know other cases went to these places, and those cases are great. So that will be in future episodes of Open Minds Magazine, <laughs> the video <laughs> version. Um, Getting
1: back to the scrambling of the Jets, because I'm uh-huh. stuck on that, right? Yeah. Now, as you see. Uh, yeah. What, what do you suppose they would do if if they could actually catch them? Um, You know, is my- it just to observe? Is that what they're told to do?
0: Well, I mean, not... in this case, it sounds like observe, um, yeah. because like they said, that's another interesting thing, is that, um, you know, they they had the press and everybody leave the control tower once right. they saw that they were getting these jets and these objects were there, because they really felt we might get a close-up look at a UFO, we might be able mm-hmm. to get to see what these things look like, uh, maybe we'll be able to look into a window, who knows. Um, and they didn't want people to know. Who knows what they would have done at that at that point. Um, but yeah, it was to observe. Maybe they would have decided to, I don't know, maybe to shoot one down. Um, so they could mm. get an idea of what it looks like. Um, I guess at that point, I would imagine, and it's kind of like what Nick talks about, is that they do um, demonstrate a threat. I mean, it's an unknown object with unknown motives um you know in highly secure airspace i think uh maybe they would have but then again you know you try to shoot at it uh you could be endangering all of the people on the ground you could you know what if it Mm. blows up like the death star and uh you (laughs) take out all of dc accidentally because you shot this this flex capacitor that uh, creates this huge mushroom cloud. Yeah.
1: No, it must be hard to be the decision person on this. Right. Like, you know, what to tell them to do. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm sure that... uh, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing that at the time the president was uh, alerted to this.
0: Well, um, there is someone who commented that they they feel... That they can see in the record, the president was consulted on this, um, but we don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, because mm. I guess that the, the people there indicate that it, he possibly or probably was, but um, so, but that's a yeah, really interesting question. Yeah, and so, how
1: long do, are you aware that? this flap go on over Washington? I know it said the 29th. There was, I think it began a few weeks ahead of time before that in the general area, but within 100 miles of Washington, D.C., right?
0: Um, Yeah, I don't know for sure. I mean, 1952 was a flap. He talked about 53. A lot of this is in Ruppelt's book, where he does talk about these flaps and and how long they last and everything. And like I tell people, RuPelt's book, I think, is maybe one of, if not the most important um, books to read. Uh, I think that if you're really starting in this field, that's the book where you should start. Um, I think that gives you a good, grounded perspective at what the Air Force did and why. Um, And From that you can kind of stem off to other things But, uh, yeah, it's all in his book. So, uh, D.C., there's somebody else who made me aware of a book that they wrote about Washington, D.C. sightings, and they said uh, they were kind of challenging me that there weren't video or uh, photographs. But I looked in that book, and I don't know if he understood that I just meant for that 52 event. Um, In fact, we have a sighting from Washington, D.C. recently that we posted on the site, so there are other sightings and other things seen, but, uh, yeah, this person's book contends that, you know, it's been one of the biggest, um, um, sighting areas of anywhere, but he also, um, you know, says he believes these are extraterrestrials that are visiting us too, and he believes they're, they're making contact and, and all of this other stuff, but, um, yeah. I guess you'd have to look at the record. I don't know for sure, you know, how many sightings in the DC area. And uh, essentially, what our my goal was is to demonstrate. And you know, I tell this to other people is that um, my goal is to make as strong a case as possible for the legitimacy of this UFO research, but also to demonstrate. Uh, more accurately what happened because the media has a perception that the Air Force didn't take the UFOs seriously uh, nor did they investigate them after 1969 and that's just not true that uh, many people in the Air Force believe that the extraterrestrial answer could be uh, what's going on and that they took these cases very seriously as they should Um, But the question, the big question, which um, a lot of people have feelings about, but I don't feel we have evidence um, regarding, uh, is examining who was looking at what in the government and what they determined. And that's what um, I think is fascinating. I think it's fascinating. Uh, Paul Dean's work, of course, John... Greenwald's work and others trying to get those answers and uh, people like Nick Pope um, um, seemingly only has a uh, little more information than we do um, same with John Alexander but there could be information out there and that's what we need to look for and uh, I think some of the things like Paul Dean has found which we will be highlighting in upcoming episodes uh, and and stories are not things that have been really discussed in this field before um, as far as who was looking at what
1: right, right Uh, one of the things uh, that it does mention about one of the sites that I thought was pretty interesting on the object speeds were clocked uh, at first, 100 to 130 miles per hour, which is <clears throat> for an aircraft, would be pr- fairly slow. Uh, and then speeds were clocked up to 7,000 miles per hour. Mm-hmm. So, um, of course, they're going to investigate something like that. And, right. uh, you know, that can't be an inversion as well that would show speeds like that. Mm-hmm. I don't well- believe.
0: And one of the things that Nick makes a point of, and Ruppelt and others, and I think that there's just a real misunderstanding. We often use this term government, and other people say this, but uh, RuPelt's book um, demonstrates this, and uh, so do Nick and I think John's comments, and it's something we have to continue to remember, mm-hmm. is that government, it's not like... Um, that is one big organization, you know, Mm -hmm. let's have a government meeting and there's a big table and everybody, okay, what's going on here and that, that there are multiple different departments. So when something happens, um, such as Washington DC, and I think Nick even says this in here in the video is that, um, you know, the first thing you're thinking is, okay, whose is this? Is this,
1: mm, right.
0: you know, is this a Navy thing? Is this a uh, Skunk Works thing? Uh, you know, they're thinking more along the lines of, okay, it's one of ours. One of our guys is, we just don't know about it. And we may never know about this project because uh, it's none of our business. Um, and, you know, but that's probably what it is. So that's what they're thinking, first of all, is that, You know, there's many different organizations doing different things. We don't know what they're up to, but we know they're capable. Um, And I can ask, but they may not answer. Uh, So that's the first thing they're thinking. Um, So, but in this case, and that's what's great about this case, is that they're able to see that these things, okay, wow, this isn't, you know, the Navy. This isn't... um, DARPA or somebody else, this is something that's beyond beyond that.
1: Um, because they're not going to fly it over Washington, D.C., first of all.
0: Yeah. So there's a lot going on where they don't know it. And Nick Pope says this a lot. I don't know if other departments were doing other things. They probably were. I've heard stories of other people doing this and that. Um, but, you know, I don't have the information to say what others were necessarily doing. Um, and just like in, in the end of our story where we say, uh, showed this this talk about this Bolender memo, where he says that uh, you know these the cases having to deal with national security go elsewhere. Um, so there are other elsewheres, and uh, who those are we don't know. Um, and Nick is kind of akin to Rupelt, where there he knows there were other elsewheres, but who they are he's not necessarily sure. Um, so so it's it's just so very very complicated
1: and there's always the need to know basis too
0: yeah there's always the need to know there's always budgets there's always um infighting there's always bureaucracy um there are all these things that get in the way and cause all of these issues um so it makes it it would make it i think very difficult for any one organization to handle all of that. Um, Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. yeah. So even if we have these advanced research groups looking into it, I think our best case scenario and most likely scenario would be think tanks. Um, That's kind of why I called my Mm. first group UFO think tank. That that's often what happens is you have groups that are kind of think tanks that uh, are policy advisors or advisors, um, who are able to say, you know, here's what might be going on. But uh, they're often the ones with the largest amount of information uh, on given subjects. However, uh, often they, uh, they're they private organizations, so they don't have to share their findings or any of their information, um, which makes right. it very convenient mm-hmm. then. Because uh, then they're not a subject to FOIA or anything like that. So, um, And that's what that's it right. may just come down to. It's interesting. Nick Pope told me in Roswell – I don't know if I shared this with you or my listeners. I, I was asking Nick Pope because I'm really interested about Project Condyne. Project Condine was a report that was put together by um, the uh, MOD, essentially – Um, And people in the government interested in UFOs. It was a top secret investigation. Um, People like John – he's one of the witnesses at Rendlesham. John Burroughs. Yeah. He talks about it a lot because they mentioned Rendlesham. Now, they speculated that UFOs could be a plasma sort of phenomena – uh, but they did acknowledge it as a phenomenon. But the UK often does. If you heard my talk at MUFON about government UFO agencies, you would have heard that there too. But um, what's interesting about Condon is that it's kind of, they don't consult really any plasma experts. And there's reading Condon, you get this idea that there's a lack of thorough examinations of their theories. So I asked Nick Pope, why did Project Condon, which eventually came out, I think in 2012, we didn't find out, get the full report till then. But uh, why was the report put together, first of all? And second of all, why is it so shallow? Why aren't more experts consulted? Um, They're speculating about a plasma phenomena, yet uh, we have no, you know, indication that such a plasma phenomena exists I mean who are these scientists working on these theories of these plasma phenomenons and uh, why isn't there research on that in here because um, that would be pertinent and interesting um, to go down that road to to you know say that that's what's going on um, and Nick said, well here's the thing is that that the report exists is really important because it's essentially UFO junkies. It's people in the government and in intelligence who are interested in the UFO phenomenon. They think there's more to it, so they pushed for another investigation. The problem was it's a top-secret investigation, so you can't really – you're very limited on who you can consult because if you consult someone, you've just tipped them off that this investigation is going on, and you can't Mm. do that. So you can't question someone about UFOs, scientists and otherwise, because they're not in the loop and and they uh, don't have clearances or they can't know about the investigation so they can't be part of it. So um, it can't be that thorough of an investigation then, which is really funny because it's kind of uh, the silliness of the bureaucracy, but... Um, it shows the limitations and the limitations of that then investigation um, now John Burroughs is saying that you know this is evidence that the UK government knows that uh, I was affected by a UFO and, and that is called my health issue caused my health health issues um, but the paper all it does is speculate and it does speculate that that perhaps because John Burroughs and people at got say they got close to one of these things these balls of light that this plasma phenomena um, has some sort of radiation and that's how they got health issues but it's just speculation um, there's no science um, added to that there's no you know they don't and if you, you can go read it you could go download Project Condyne and read it right now so and uh, I review that in a story about John Burroughs but mm. it's yeah so it's, it's interesting
1: now, didn't the, didn't the uh, government uh, award him his uh, medical uh, – what am I trying to think? There was some type of yeah. lawsuit. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of uh, monumental right there actually, isn't it? They're actually Not admitting really. that there was issues. They no?
0: didn't okay. admit to issues. So that's the thing is that um, by giving John Burroughs his um, – disability, uh, which he's saying, in de facto, they're acknowledging that I was, um, my health issues are related to uh, a UFO. Not necessarily. So essentially, what happens is it's not uncommon. And I've interviewed his lawyer, and you could too. I could get you in touch with him if you wanted to. Um, Yeah. So I asked him about this. He said it's not uncommon for people who work in top-secret areas to have things like medical records or otherwise uh, um, classified, so they can't be used when, with the VA or something like that. However, what happens is you go through a process where they can still approve your disability or approve um, without giving doctors or others the files. And that's the process they went through. So all it did was then acknowledge he has a nail health issue that may have been related to his military um, um, career. And so he was then awarded what he was given. Um, So that's all they're really saying. They're not specifically saying anything. The strange part is, though, is that uh, his lawyer, I can't remember his name right now, says, although... It is not strange for this to happen. It is strange because um, John Burroughs was not any on any classified detail. He was not working on any classified projects. There is no reason for his medical records to be withheld. So that's a mystery that still exists. And I think that's a really mm. important and strange mystery is why won't they release John Burroughs' medical records, which they haven't. Um, and that is is an unanswered question still. So it does mm-hmm. all allude to possibly having to do with the Rendlesham Forest. I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense. Um, so it's all circumstantial. Mm-hmm. Um, going to the next step to say de facto, um, you know, it might be a little steep. I, I, I think you would have a hard time um, with convincing many of of that but in the mainstream but uh, those who are familiar with the case and familiar with uh you know it it does seem that that's the only thing in his military career um that could warrant his records being kept so and that coupled with project Condyne, um are they looking into these plasma phenomena who knows you know who is now, do looking? we know or... mm-hmm. go, go ahead, ahead. No,
1: no you go ahead no, I was just saying, are there other witnesses that also have their medical records withheld as classified?
0: I believe that, and I can't remember the details. I would have to check, but I believe that his buddy, you know, who was also out Penison? there. Yeah, Penison. I believe his records were also um, withheld. Mm. Yeah. Okay. What were you going to say? I was going to say, you know who is looking into plasma phenomenon related mm. to UFOs? Mm. No. the university... I'm going to guess? No. Oh, you, well, oh, if mind. you want. No, 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 forget it. <laughs> the University of Norway. Oh,
1: because of the Hesdalen.
0: Exactly, because of the Hesdalen lights. And so MUFON actually had Erling Strand, who is a professor, uh, who is part of the research into the plasma phenomena, he had some very very interesting things to say
1: i'm sure that's that, that's a uh, i know we're we're getting way we're going around in to different topics but i think that uh that's well, really what's it called interesting. when you're I setting someone in.
0: up i'm setting you up <laughs> okay is what it is all right yeah but you got to you're not – you're supposed to be like – you're supposed to make I a I just statement. wanted to – do
1: I know, but I wanted to do one of these awkward moments. That...
0: <laughs> yeah, those are fun.
1: Yeah. yeah, that's
0: why I was kind of playing along because it, it's fun to do the awkward thing. Yeah. So what I was setting up for you is like, oh, wow, what did he talk about? And I was going to say, well, lucky for you and anybody else who wants to come to the UFO Congress – I haven't even announced this yet, but um, Erling Strand will be speaking at the UFO Congress in February. Yay. So a professor that is conducting a UFO investigation as part of his university work. Now they do it pretty much under the auspices of investigating a plasma phenomenon. However, he says this is no plasma phenomenon. He doesn't believe that theory. Uh, which is, I think, fascinating. That's one of the best takeaways I took from the MUFON conference um, this year is that, uh, yeah, interestingly enough, Erling Strand does not subscribe to this plasma theory that Project Condine and uh, others have put forth for uh, some of these UFO cases.
1: Do you know if he stands alone in this, or are there other people um, that have the same opinion?
0: That is a great question. He did not answer that in his talk at the symposium. It's a great question, I think, for him. And it's a great question to ask him at the UFO Congress. February 2017. (laughs) 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 UFOCongress.com Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And I'm excited about that because I'm going to be there again.
0: Mm -hmm. really yeah that's awesome looking forward to it yep it's so awesome that you come uh to that every every year now um that was a major goal of mine to get you there and you are going (laughs) now so that is really really cool and so yeah you'll be able to see erling strand there some of the other speakers at the mufon symposium were tony um angiola and ben moss they talked about uh Socorro um and I'm going to have them on my show next week so we've got it scheduled my show will be on time people um we'll have another show next week
1: yeah great those two guys are fun
0: yeah they're cool and
1: uh and uh I'm really looking forward to hearing the show because I know uh even if you know a lot about that show and you've spoken in the past or read uh Ray Stanford's book um there's still some things that are going to be revealed mm-hmm. next week, right? I don't know.
0: Oh, you, you must know more than I do.
1: Well, uh, I'm guessing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I they have not promised me anything that was uh, is groundbreaking and new, uh, but it is. I mean, they know more about the Socorro, New Mexico UFO sighting. Um, in fact, the last administrator of Project Blue Book, Hector Quintanilla, who was a skeptic. He said that the Socorro, New Mexico case was the best case and the only case he found convincing during his tenure as the head of Project Blue Book. Um, So, yeah, we'll talk all about this crazy Socorro case, but we will get into details that others don't know. In fact, you know, they went into a lot of stuff I did not know about the Socorro case. And so I'm really excited to talk to them about it um, some more next week.
1: Yeah, have them. Uh, if you think of it, I would like to know more about the symbol. Okay. The symbol was on the craft, and Lonnie Zamora was told to not reveal the symbol, the correct symbol,
0: mm-hmm.
1: because um, they were afraid of any copycats. So they could they could find out if someone was a a copycat and would uh, if they released the symbol um, for what Lonnie Zamora was supposed to have seen. Then they would know one way or the other whether the people would be telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So yeah. finally, the real symbol is going to be revealed. What?
0: Well, it was already revealed.
1: So, it's already revealed? Sorry, already revealed. Okay.
0: You know, yeah. Yeah. Because Ray.
1: I told you I didn't know anything about UFO news.
0: <laughs> you were right. Yeah, yeah. Ray revealed that like a year or two ago. But it's only been fairly recent that Ray wrote the story up and revealed that story. I remember that because, yeah, I thought that was fascinating.
1: Yeah. I should know that mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. I do speak with Ray.
0: <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah. I
1: well.
0: talked to him and or he mentioned in an email to me or something that Martin came to my house and you got to come to my house. And I wish I could go to lots of people's houses, but uh, he was yeah. just so enamored with you. Oh,
1: well, I'll tell you, he is an amazing guy, you know, and I think he did a wonderful job on the book. It's uh, I believe there's still some copies out there of his book. It's called uh, uh, Flying Saucers in the Pentagon Pen- Pantry, the Lonnie Zamora case or something like that. I can bring it up. But uh, mm-hmm. that is definitely the best book. Even Lonnie Zamora told his daughter. That was the only real good story written about it mm-hmm. uh, from Ray Stanford.
0: Yep, yep.
1: Plug yeah, thing, Ray's
0: yeah. the guy, and uh, we'll be plugging him a lot next week because uh, Ben and Tony have gotten most of their stuff. Uh, you know, they work with Ray. They're kind of Ray's uh, uh, investigation team. So, yeah, so we'll talk about that. So is there anything else you wanted to talk about, my friend? I think I'm pretty much uh, uh,
1: expended here. I, I can't think of anything else. Uh, I think... Uh, I definitely want people to check out the video uh, that you have posted on the 1952 UFO flap in Washington D.C. Very, very well done, I got to tell you. Very nicely done. Thank and, you. And uh, and you will definitely uh, learn something,
0: I do believe. Mm-hmm. I think you will, and I, you know, think this is a good piece to send to your skeptical friends. Um, that's what mm-hmm. we're trying to do because if you send this to a skeptic, um, I think it just, it very firmly demonstrates that this subject was not a joke to the Air Force, um, and that there, you know, there, there's something substantial here. So, and that's what I think we, we wanted, what I'm trying to do is to demonstrate, um, even to mainstream media. In fact, I'm working on in the next couple of days, posting this story to Huffington Post, um, that, you know, this, uh, There's a lot of pieces here that if you follow the government story, uh, the the official record, you see that there is some fascinating, um, mysterious stuff that went on that baffled uh, even serious Air Force investigators.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's a great one. Mm. Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: So if you want to stick around while I close it out. Yeah, sure. So, thank you for joining us again for another great show. Wow, this Martin Willis guy is awesome. <laughs> so, he'll be back next week, hopefully, assuming he doesn't hurt himself or um some or get sick or something, um yeah. or have to go to the beach. But Martin is dedicated, so even if he goes to the beach, he's still going to do an interview. So, uh that's really cool. That's right. Uh, more than I can say for myself. Although I was getting kind of wound up and stressed, so the beach did me very good. I wish I was still there. In fact, um, so go to OpenMinds.TV TV to get all those news stories that Martin and I talked about. Those two video stories, especially, go check those out. The Tennessee one, um, that was actually posted September 14th, about a week ago. And then the New York uh, cylinder UFO video, which was just posted today. And let us know what you think, you know. Put in the comments, oh man, Martin, you're right, this is cool. Or Alejandro, you're an idiot, this is stupid. You know, whatever you want, I know you're going to post that. But, uh, no, people are pretty nice. But, yeah, go check it out and um, let us know what you think. They're really interesting videos, I think. And then please do. I would just be so uh, overjoyed if you would enjoy. I I am so grateful that you all come and listen to the show um, and enjoy the fruits of our efforts that way. So go watch this YouTube video. It's called The Beginning. UFO encounters over Washington DC and I call it the beginning because it's a beginning of the Air Force investigation and it's the beginning of our investigation into who's investigating what and uh, sharing with people more than they know about the official record of the UFO investigations that have gone on so check that out Um, it's on our YouTube and it's on our front page at TV. also the ufo congress so i listed a bunch more speakers at the ufo congress in fact let's see if i could go over there real quick and tell you so i haven't even listed erling strand from norway yet so that's brand new information exclusive for you all but don't oh this is cool this is really cool martin so uh i've got john alexander uh, speaking And some people are like, oh, he spoke before. He's a debunker. He's a government stooge, man. <laughs> but he's uh, – he uh, was with Army Intelligence, and he's talking about the comp- UFO encounters more complex than we can imagine. And he sounds like a new age woo-woo guy well, when you read his talk. Um, He talks about, this presentation includes my first-hand experience with a case so convoluted it defies both explanation and common sense. Nonetheless, it is real and includes not only my observation of a UFO, but spontaneous healing, plus sightings, recordings of orbs, possible spiritual beings, and other phenomena.
1: He's a disinformation agent. (laughs)
0: Isn't that crazy? That is really something. Wow. Yeah. So John Alexander, who people think is, you know, he's he's into UFOs, obviously. He wouldn't be out talking yeah. about this stuff. So he's but he's gonna, hard-edged. Yeah. You he's know, hard-edged, he's, and he's he's a mm-hmm. colonel. If people yeah. know colonels, colonels are like that. They're black and white. This is this, and this is that, you know? Um, but he's going to be talking about this wild case that he's never talked about before um, that included some... Uh, very respectable people so he's going to be talking about this amazing ufo encounter i'm really excited about it david marler is going to be speaking he's going to be speaking we don't have it yet so all this right. is exclusive for you all too brand new information about the 1942 case over uh, la so mm-hmm. the um battle of la battle he's, of
1: la yes
0: He's got new photographs and information of that. So, really, another really fascinating camp, uh, case. Richard Dolan has put together a new talk just for the UFO Congress. How cool is that? Wow. So Mm -hmm. he'll be speaking. Noe Torres will be speaking about the real cowboys and aliens, UFOs in the Old West. So this is apropos because we're in Phoenix. So he talks about these cases like from the 1800s, UFO cases Mm -hmm. with cowboys seeing UFOs. And then uh, you all are familiar with Paul Stonehill. So he'll be at the conference talking about Russia and Eurasia and stuff like that. We have a few more to list. We have some surprises, of course, as usual. But yeah, so now we have most of our speakers listed for the Congress, a lot of them. So go check that out at UFOCongress.com. And of course, if you're planning to come, be sure to reserve a room ASAP because any moment now, the rooms will probably be sold out. Um, you'll be able to get on a waiting list. But um You know, and the other hotels really are nearby. They're very easy to get to. The shuttle shuttle you back and forth, but um, it's fun to stay in the host hotels. So
1: uh, check that out. Wonderful place. Do you have a room? Very very relaxing. Oh yeah, you bet I do.
0: Good. Yeah. So ufocongress.com. So really exciting stuff, Um, and of course we're going to have a lot of other great people. Um, I'm very excited about it in fact two of our speakers Stanton Friedman and Kathleen Martin uh, just put out a new book and that will be available it's called Fact Fiction and Flying Saucers so they got a brand new book out and uh, that will be available actually on Amazon I think maybe even today Um, but they'll be at the conference to sign and sell those books as well so lots of exciting stuff Martin right Yes, and I of, can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be cool. And of course, you're going to be able to meet the one and only Martin Willis at the conference. <laughs> um, also, don't forget to check out the Open Minds video portal, which you can find at Open Minds TV, where we have the lectures from the past conferences. We have all from 2016, but we don't have all of them up. But we're posting more on a regular basis. And it's just a few dollars to have access to all of these super cool. Video lectures, so really cool stuff. I want to say thank you to, um, well, speaking of the Hanks, Micah Hanks. We have a story from Micah Hanks that uh, he wrote for the paranormal podcast, actually, for Jim Harold. And Jim Harold was nice enough to let me post part of that story on our website about satellites, uh, and mysterious satellites, mysterious stuff in space. Um, so Micah Hanks, really cool guy. He, he does a Graylean report. Great writer. Uh, love Micah. He's going to be at our conference too. He's going to have a table. I forgot about that. So that's cool. But the reason I thought of Micah, you all probably know, because I end with this every show, is that his brother Caleb. They're both musicians. Extremely talented musicians. And I want to thank Caleb Hanks for our great open and close music. Often people ask, where can I find his music? If you go to the Open Minds Radio page, you will see a link to his site where he lets you download uh, a lot of his original music for free. And I love it. I think it's really, really good. I think it's great to get in while before these guys are super famous so we get to know them. So thank you to Caleb Hanks. And finally, thank you to you. Not you, Martin.
1: I know, the listener.
0: Yeah, I already thanked you. Yeah, I know. Didn't I? Did I forget to thank you?
1: No, I remember you thanked me. Oh, good. Okay. A couple of episodes back,
0: yeah. <laughs> A couple of episodes. Well, thank you, Martin. And, uh yes, thank you to the listeners. Thank you so much. Thank you to those of you who said hi at the MUFON Symposium. Um, thank you to all of those that I met on the beach that said hi there. Um, just kidding. But, uh you know, although that makes me think, and I don't know if I should say this. We'll see if I'll get some bad feedback. But I'm just thinking of the beach. And I'll, may, we need to make some open mind swimwear. Of course, first what came yeah. to mind, honestly, I got to be honest, uh, was open mind bikinis. But also swim trunks would be cool too. So, um, and, you know, one mm. pieces for women if, if they like that. But that would be really cool. Some open mind beach wear.
1: Huh. Uh, I I can see that now. I, I'm sure you the, can. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm not even gonna say anything.
0: I'll get myself. Yeah, a call. I know. So, no, yeah. just like uh, the eggshells are out. So but thank you all so much for listening. Say it with me. Do you know what I the you know what my last words are, right, Martin? Uh, not yet. Adios. So let's say it with me. Three, two, one. Adios. Adios. Muchachos. muchachos.